get a free 30-day trial and free audiobook at www.audible.com slash Steinberg. That is not to say you should take a knife and slash me if you see me on the street, but that's how you get the free audiobook, which I can't recommend enough. I know, but I've been around a long time, long enough to know. I'm talking today to Gene Levy, an amazing comedian. He was in so many movies, National Lampoon's Vacation, Waiting for Guffman, American Pie, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, a lot of the Christopher Guest movies, For Your Consideration, and many more. And of course, he was one of the stars of SCTV, one of the best variety satirical television shows ever. This is the uh, David Steinberg podcast, and I'm talking to Eugene Levy, a iconic Canadian comedian. He can't walk down the streets in Toronto without people stopping <laughs> you. Isn't that right? Don't they? An iconic Canadian comedian. <clears throat> That's like saying, and you're a famous Canadian actor. <laughs> Well, that's good. Listen, a bunch of us came out of Canada and we did okay. Yep, yes. You know, I'm still uh, picking up a check every week. That's good. That was always my goal. <laughs> yes. Just steady check. I watched Ship's Creek last night. I loved it. It is, it, it's so much fun. And your whole uh, family is in this, right? Is it, Pretty much. Who's in Pretty it? Pretty much. Your well, son. my son plays my son. Yes. And he's great. And my daughter, uh, Sarah, plays uh, Twyla, who's the uh, waitress in the uh, Cafe Tropical. Uh-huh. And my uh, brother is producer on the show, which is uh, good. I've got, he's a he's a kind of a business manager and an accountant. Mm-hmm. And, I, and basically, I got him in there just to watch my back. <laughs> this is great. And uh, what else? And my wife, Deb, was very much responsible for getting our show off the ground in Canada. So that was, it was pretty much is a family effort. Well, that's incredible. So you can't really get pissed at anyone because it's your family. You know, you can't fire anyone. You can't say, I don't like the way you're doing that line. Or you can do that. You could say. That's one of the problems with it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But luckily, I've never really come close to that on any front. (laughs) In anything you've done. In any, you mean with my family? Well, no, with with anyone. Have you ever, did you ever fire anyone ever? Yes, I did. I fired, uh, let me, uh, no, one person I fired. Trying to think if there was a second. One person, yes. It was uh, years ago on a show I was producing. The show was called uh, Maniac Mansion. Mm-hmm. And we were just getting started in there. I believe there was a writer who was part of the group that I didn't know. We hired him, and and some of the other writers were good friends of mine that had worked on SCTV. Mm-hmm. And he had kind of a personality that didn't quite mingle with the rest of the group. So I said I will work with him, and everybody else. You guys go and team up, and that's mm-hmm. great. And all. So one week of working with this guy, and I'm sitting across in my office, and he's across the desk. And I get to a point where every second I keep thinking I see his head, which is like that kids in the hall thing, like his head is just small across my desk. And I just want to, I want to 
flick him with my finger. I want to flick his head. That's how bad it got. Uh-huh. And it wasn't working out because he thought of himself as just some kind of intellectual or perhaps too intellectual for the show or whatever the <laughs> hell. Yeah. But then I just got up and closed the door. And I said, okay, you know what? This really isn't working out. And it's not you. I know you're a good writer. Yeah, that's good to but say. But this may not be the thing you should be writing on. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure he took that well. Gene, are you a Levy or a Levy? This is exactly what Mel Brooks said to me the first time I met him in in the, uh, the Westwood Marquee hotel mm-hmm. and i was with john candy and we were doing this in the mid 80s and we were doing a movie armed and dangerous and i was going out with john and we're walking out of the lobby and mel brooks uh, walked in and he was very excited to see john because he was about to ask him to do his movie space balls mm-hmm. so he's going john candy wow this is wonderful i didn't ever thought i'd run into you because i'm doing a movie space balls and i really want you to do it and he says oh mel this is my good friend eugene levy oh levy oh it's not levy it's levy it's Levy, it's not Levy. There's Levy's, but you're a Levy. I see. That was it. And then he goes on and, you know, yeah. uh, hires John. <laughs> you didn't get hired. For the movie. Yeah. No, I didn't get hired, but he was very sweet. Is that another Mel story about uh, related to that same day, but we can get into that later. No, tell me. Well, after that encounter, uh, and I was staying at the hotel, and Mel Brooks and his writing partner, they were working there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. three days later... I'm having breakfast in the breakfast room, and I see, and I see Mel Brooks walk in with Thomas Meehan. Mm-hmm. And they walk in together, and I look up, and he says, and he sees me there, and he's like, oh, Eugene. And I'm thinking, God, he remembers who I am. I, uh, yes. I still am to this day when people actually yeah. know who I am. It's always <laughs> yes. like, a, wow. Yes. So I said, yes, Mel, how you doing? Well, listen, we're going over. We're going to have breakfast over here. And if you want to join us, you can join us. That would be great. And I said, well, because uh, we're working here. I said, well, you know what? It, why don't you guys have breakfast over there? Because I have a feeling it's a work breakfast thing, and maybe I'll come over and join you for coffee. So I did. I went over and joined them for coffee. After And he talked about space balls, and, you know, we got a character, yogurt. It's like Yoda, but it's yogurt. I'm going, ha, ha, ha. And then he says, what are you doing here? What are you doing? And I says, well, I'm doing a movie here, and I'm staying at the hotel. And he says, well, you're staying at the hotel. Well, that can't be good. I, you should have you found. I said, well, it's, you know, short term rentals used to be easy to find. But now it's kind of tough, you know, to get a place for a couple of months. He said, listen, Annie and I have a place in uh, Malibu and we never use it. You should get your wife and go and stay in the place in Malibu. Wow. And I said exactly that. Wow. <laughs> I can't do that. Mel, I can't yeah. do that. I can't. Oh, nonsense. That's ridiculous. We're never there. You go and tell your wife you're going to be going and you're staying at the place in Malibu. And I'm going to I'm going to talk to Annie and I'm going to get back. So like a week later, John and I are coming back from show uh, show West in Las Vegas. We're just pulling up to the hotel. I get dropped off. I'm now walking into the hotel. Who's walking out? Mel Brooks. And I went, oh, Mel. And he said, oh, gee, it's funny. I bumped into you because I got, you know. I talked to Annie about that place in Malibu. I said, oh, what did she say? She said, not on your life. I need that place for weekends. So that place is out. But. <laughs> we should always have people in comedy who are extreme. If they promise you something, you check with their wife is a very good thing. 
it was, it was there's no question he was off the mark on that one he had no he, sh he should have clued in yeah. you know, a bit yeah. more on that yeah that i have a big uh, lieutenant general that i have to go yeah. to I know. before you're going to be but it gave me a great story <laughs> yes. yes yeah i did a suskind show with him that was jewish sons he just he killed it he just took off you wow. know first thing he said to suskind was david suskind how much money do you send home <laughs> oh, I want to know. Glad you want to start. Just how much money do you send home? And he, wouldn't, he wouldn't let him go. But the friendship with Carl Reiner is remarkable. They are such good friends. And yeah. Mel is over at Carl's all the time. They watch yeah. movies together. And he told me once what it is that they look for in a movie. It's something about surround the perimeter. They wait for phrases like that, you know, things that no one would ever say in real real life yeah yeah they enjoy they enjoy each, each other, other. And, and there's a friendship i mean yeah. boy wow yeah. that yeah. goes back yeah and carl's in 90s and they they are both sharp as i used be. to play poker with carl oh in a little poker group who else was there uh steve martin it's a good group and producer uh, that produced a lot of steve's movies oh names are now just escaping <laughs> my head and a couple of other older guys in the business, you know, lawyer, studio, guy, whatever it was that were involved with uh, Steve. And then he would have a, somebody else would come in, you know, every now and then Larry David was there for one game. And it's funny, you know, when Steve asked me, do you want to come over and play poker one night for the first time? And I said, and it was a, it's a great poker group. Yes. It's the Gourmet Poker Club. Yes. It was started back in New York when Carson, when yeah, Johnny yeah. Carson was yeah. in that and group. And Johnny was in that group. I remember that. Yeah. And when I, when I started playing, they would still, when they sat down to dinner, because it's a very civilized poker night, you play for an hour, <laughs> you have a lovely gourmet dinner, mm -hmm. and then you go back and play for another hour and, and have cake and coffee. And mm -hmm. But I said, what are the stakes? He said, nickel dime quarter. I said, oh, well, I, I play for nickel dime quarter. That's... Oh, that's great. He said, well, no, I mean 5, 10, 25 dollars. <laughs> yeah, dollars. But don't worry, you can't lose that much. Nobody loses that much. Nobody gets burned. It's, if you have a bad night, you may lose a couple of hundred dollars, and that's that's the thing. 20 minutes into the game, I'm down $900. <laughs> 20 minutes into the game, I'm down $900, and I'm thinking, how do I tell my wife, Deb, that I've lost thousands in a poker it's not gonna, it's not gonna it's not gonna work and i realized these guys don't bluff you know and carl was of course in that group and i loved just watching him yes just watching and listening to yeah, him and just being involved at that table was like the energy his energy great. is so high even when he talks he's just talk. funny he's just funny he's, he's like good good energy yeah and funny yes and look yeah. at what he's done look at the shows what he done? the movies <laughs> Oh, I thought his career didn't quite work for him, but I guess. So, Gene, where did we meet? Where did you and I meet? You must have auditioned for the David Steinberg show with John Candy and everybody, yeah. all your friends. Well, how about that show? I think I met you when I was probably when I went into audition or have a meeting with you about that show, which probably was a meeting audition. Yeah, yeah. It didn't go as well as I had hoped that it would. In what, uh, way, in what way didn't it go? Well, for some reason, I wasn't perhaps thinking as clearly as I uh, should have been during that encounter. But why? I made a 
decision to perhaps give me just a bit of energy for that meeting <laughs> that I would uh, partake in a uh, very uh, tiny, tightly rolled uh, marijuana cigarette. <laughs> oh, God. And, and it, j- it didn't really work because it was just a little too strong. <laughs> I see. I didn't know that. I thought... Everyone raved about you. Marty Short, John Candy. This, oh, you've got to get Gene. You've got to meet Gene. Uh-huh. And then you were there, and I would ask you something, and you would just... You would say, well, Gene, I, <laughs> I know you do some terrific characters. <laughs> like your Vegas character is just... I've heard it's great. Can you do a little of that character for me, the Bitman? And I would just, well... <laughs> This may not be the right um, time for that. Um, oh, okay. Uh, your newsman is kind of yeah, like the newsman. He's kind of a he's kind of got a goofy quality, and that's yeah. Um, you know, David. I uh, this is I I I you know I could do it. It's just so hard without. The makeup and uh, I and that was that was the meeting, but the show was yes. I don't think you, you lost any sleep over not well, hiring me. But well, when you auditioned for me and you left, I remember John Candy was in the room. Maybe Marty. I think Marty yeah. was there. Marty was there. Yeah, maybe John. Was yeah, there. John has told had told me about you, and then and then Marty was there. He said, you know, uh, well, what do you think of Gene? And I said. He hates me. And, and Mark said, no one hates you. I said, no, just the way he took so long and was staring at me for a long time before he spoke. Yeah. I said, the guy doesn't like me. I'm not going to hire a guy who doesn't like me. Uh, no, that was a long, it was, uh, it was a big mistake. I big knew when, mistake. I, when I got into the room. In fact, I think Marty met me at the front door and I kind of told him what the situation was and he just laughed. <laughs> Come on up, he said. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, not a wise thing. Yeah, so you, for you youngsters out there, don't, don't take not, it to not an a, audition. Not a good, not a good thing. Yeah, but then look at what happened. SCTV happened right after that, and Bobby Bittman came alive, and that show still holds up mm. above any of the shows that yeah, were satirical was at that time. Well, it was a good, it was a good show, and it was a pre-taped. I mean, you know, we always had comparisons to SNL, but SNL being a live show, it's a whole different animal. We didn't have that kind of pressure. Right. Were you shooting that in Edmonton at the time, or was that We after started it? in Toronto, and then when they had some financial uh, problems in Toronto, they got some uh, money from um, a wealthy uh, doctor in Edmonton who also had his own television studio that was dr allard dr charles allard yes do you know that he sued me <laughs> he sued no. me yeah because i went up there to do a talk show before you did that show and he had promised me in edmonton which is far away from everything don't worry about guest stars from hollywood because we have private jets and we'll fly them up in the jets i was a little suspicious when I didn't get flown up in a private jet, but there were no jets. And to get to Edmonton from Los Angeles or New York was brutal. And then when I finally did yeah. get the guest, Dr. Allard, who owns Edmonton, he was multi-billionaire, yeah, yeah. he didn't like my political point of view and said, you can't be doing that. And uh, so we won't have any more of that, will we? 
And I said, I'm a little more, well, you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're liberal, that thing, what, what you were doing. Was that funny? I said, well, usually oh if you God. have to ask if something wow. is funny, it's not funny. Wow. So I left in the middle of a second week of being there, went back to L.A., and then we were in a lawsuit for over a year. And I had a lawyer who was a celebrity, Garth Drabinsky. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Garth Drabinsky was yeah. your lawyer he was my back lawyer. then. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, I knew how to pick him. Wow. I only remember at ITV that one time we got a note coming down from Dr. Allard's office that there was too much swearing going on on the studio floor. Not even in the show. And a lot of these monitors in the building are going into people's offices. Oh, God, yeah. And the swearing has to stop. <laughs> and, of course, we didn't stop the swearing. Our thing was, well, if they want to throw us out, they can throw us out. Mm-hmm. You know, put a little pressure on yeah. our producer, Andrew Alexander. Yeah. Well, I time, think but... I think I had loosened the bottle top in some way. So by the wow. time he had sued me. and that I can't believe you were in Edmonton before we were. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a beautiful studio. It was great facilities in every way and it was great. So how does Bobby Bittman come about? All those characters that you did for SCTV. I mean, who were you doing? It was kind of a hybrid of a lot of comedians that I grew up watching on television. Shecky Green and all the great comics that nobody will ever know what these names are because, you know, that's that's what I kind of grew up watching. Sam Levinson and, uh, you know, Myron Cohen. And, yeah. and Buddy Hackett. And Buddy Hackett, yeah. yeah. Uh, the personality for the character I kind of borrowed from Jerry Lewis, which is kind of the, you know, the, the real Bitman kind of like the real Jerry or yeah. Jerry when he was on a talk show talking about something serious, <laughs> yes. yes, which always struck me kind of funny. Yes. So that's how that happened. Just and the great thing about the character was there was nothing remotely funny about him. His jokes were not funny. No, there, no. there was nothing <laughs> funny about anything that came out of his yeah. mouth. Yeah. Except when he was serious. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you play serious great. So people laugh when you do serious. I so. have, listen, I, I auditioned for like some, some movies that were uh, dramas and getting uh, laughs in the audition and thinking, why, why am I here exactly? I mean, why did it, what was I thinking? And yet got a, got a movie. The first uh, movie I ever did was a movie uh, called Running, 1979 with uh, Michael Douglas. And I auditioned for the role of his kind of best friend uh, lawyer and got laughs in my audition and walked and walked out of the audition thinking, oh my God, why why are you even in this business? Uh, and then they came after me. Go, oh, they loved it. They loved it. They loved it. So it was a and serious role that you got laughed it, for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you are leaving out another film that you did where you played a director, film director. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, do you remember the? It was called. It originally was called Drums Over Malta. That's right. Yes. And then yes. It going berserk. Going berserk. Yes. Yes. You had an exceptional director who took care of you in every way. Did, yes. Didn't I? Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> well, that was like the first big movie. That was like Universal. It's like you're yeah. actually work, working yes. on a studio lot. Yes. That was great fun. I think once fun. we found yeah. that character, <laughs> Sal Di Pasquale. Sal Di Pasquale, exactly. Uh, 
was the name of the character. And then it was just funny, and it was very loose. I remember just uh, there a lot of stuff came, we kind of came up with. Yes, right there. Pretty much. Yeah. You kept right on there. saying, you were being pretentious, you kept on saying, let's look at the film. <laughs> film? Yeah. Let's look at the film. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember we were, we were wheeling you down the aisle of a church to sort of get a tracking shot. Yes. But I, it, I think we had a, a shopping cart. We had a shopping cart with yeah. a squeaky wheel. <laughs> a squeaky I think wheel. the squeaky wheel yeah, was, yeah. was your idea. Yes. Yes. That yes. was my most yes. inventive. If we're, if we're rolling that down the aisle, why don't we have a bit of a squeak in the wheel? <laughs> yes. Because it's a long aisle. Yes. So, Gene, what's yeah. incredible to me is how many things you do. So, Christopher Guest and you are are like partners in some way and creatively when you work together. It's really lovely, actually. Yeah, we had a great, oh man, it was over 10 years, 97, it was about 10, 11, maybe 12 years. Wow. And we did uh, four great movies. It was a lot of fun. It really was. And I was was a fan of Chris's for years since since the old Lampoon uh, radio uh, albums, you know, comedy albums. Yeah. I uh, just couldn't couldn't believe what amazing characters he was doing on those things. I'd never heard anything quite like it, you know, quite brilliant. And so when he called me years later, and then I ran into him a couple of times on different projects, but not not working directly with him. But mm-hmm. It was something wa- watching him do what it is that he did. And then yeah. he called me one day and said, do you want to, you know, work on a movie together? And I said, wow. Yeah. What kind of a director? Because he's such an introverted guy. When you see, if if you don't know him, uh-huh. he's very quiet and doesn't talk much. And, yeah. yeah. But yes. uh, since I've been at a few parties with him, he's just great fun to be with. Just we, when we were scouting some of these movies, we'd have to go to comedy clubs, you know, to, mm-hmm. to to look at people who were improvising to see maybe there's somebody we can use for this, somebody we can use for that. <clears throat> And the first club we went to, we sat down at the, and they put us right up front. So now we're sitting at the front table, and now these now the show starts, and people are you know the improvising and they're improvising. They know we're there, mm-hmm. and Chris is doing. I mean, not talk about deadpan. He's there's nothing going on on his face during the entire yes. show to the yes. point where I was getting uncomfortable. <laughs> because it looks like he's eating it. He summer. just looks like he's yeah. completely bored, which I'm sure he was. Yes. But meanwhile, I've got in my cheeks are aching because I've got this constant smile on my face. Yes. And, I, and I didn't find everything funny. But these are people up there. They're yeah. working. They're working. They're working hard to try and impress. Yes. Give them something. And at one point I said to him, I said, Chris, you've got to put a smile on your face or you, you've got to chuckle every now and then. And he turned to me and said, why? I said, because these people are up there and they're working. But I don't think it's funny. But just smile. But just smile. Because it's so every other club we went to after that, we were in the back, would not sit up front again. But boy, is he funny. He is funny. And yeah. he's so uh, very subtle. He's but, very subtle, but boy, he lo- so, he loves yeah, the, the big the stuff big too. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's got a soft spot for the big broad stuff, yeah. you know. As did uh, the late Harold Ramis, you know. As, a, yes. as if you knew Harold, he very 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 intelligent, one of the smartest guys I've so, ever so smart. Yeah, met in yeah. my life, and yet loved the cheapest joke. <laughs> yes, yeah, and he loved crafting a cheap joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he knew everything. He knew everything about literature, about comedy, and well, he did the I, New York Times crossword in ink. 
<laughs> that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. That he would do it in ink is yeah. pretty, pretty yes. annoying. Yeah, he, he was very special. I mean, it's uh, the, the Second City community is pretty remarkable. It's, uh, the community before SNL, everyone sort of drifted into SNL because that was where you made some money and presented yourself. Yeah. But you were in Second City in Toronto. Right. Yeah, and and how long were you in that company? I was uh, probably uh, there for a little over two years, I think. And, uh, and who was in your company in that period of time? That well, period of time? when we started at the old fire hall in Toronto in 1974, the company actually started in 73 in Toronto, and yeah. I came in like two months after the problem with the club they were in they had no liquor license and uh people just uh, got tired of cokes and crepes yes. they didn't last long there but then they moved to to the old fire hall uh, which was a club that we then moved into and and in that company was me uh john candy who had come up from chicago gilda radner and um joe flaherty I think that was it and that's, rose rosemary ratcliffe uh, a good canadian actress yeah. who was that's a great group what characters were you doing then? What was your what was your go-to character at Second City? Well, I didn't really have a character in Toronto when I started. Here's what I couldn't do. Characters, as you well know. <laughs> yes, and, and I too can do. And dialects, which I was very, very bad at. Me too. When yeah. I started the show and when I started the TV show as well. Everybody could do dialects. Joe Flaherty did a great Peter O'Toole. Mm -hmm. Catherine O'Hara did an unbelievable Catherine Hepburn. John did, uh, John Candy did Richard Burton. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we did a scene called The Man Who Would Be King of the Popes. Uh, if you remember that movie that it was yeah, based yeah. on and uh, and it was all british acting and british acting and 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 i said well i can't i can't really do a, a british dialect uh, so they gave me a scene where all i did was kind of move my eyebrows and they and my credit was and victor spinetti is the tailor no dot no lines though just <laughs> Just, you know, sewing, sewing things. And... But I didn't really do characters mm -hmm. on stage. I think we moved to Pasadena. In, now, let me think. Yeah, 1975, we went down and opened a second city in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. And there was the first time we did the Sammy Maudlin show. We improvised that as, a, oh, that as, really as an improv. And then Joe did the uh, Sammy Maudlin character. Yes. And I said, well, I'll come on as a, uh, you know, one of those comedians and I'll uh, crash the show. And that was the first time I did uh, Bobby, Bittman. Bobby Bittman was on that stage. And then we did the Maudlin show a few other times on stage and then brought it to the TV show. Would it be unfair of me to ask you to do a little bit of Bobby Bittman? Well, Bobby Bittman is, if you remember Alan and Rossi, which is where I, <laughs> yes. where I borrowed that Bittman's catchphrase, hello there. <laughs> Hello there. And I thought, there's a guy making so much money. Hello there is his big thing. So I, for Bittman, my catchphrase was, how are you? <laughs> you know, as a comic in all seriousness, there's so much strife and so forth and so on going on in the world today. And this is something we have to, you know, and that was the, that was yes. the Lewis side of things that yes. I brought into the character. Yeah. But he was just loud and brash and so not funny <laughs> yeah. that I'm surprised more people didn't hate 
that character more than they did. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was so recognizable in some way that they they loved that character. Well, it was, it was a good character because he was just loud and, you know, gave me a chance to kind of go bigger than I uh, normally uh, you know, uh, once, did, as you well remember. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I saw Marty Allen and Steve Rossi when they started out. You know, Marty Allen was the hello, dear guy. And, you know, they were great, funny. The audience liked them. And then towards the end of their career, I was shooting something in Las Vegas, and Allen and Rossi were performing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd go see them. So all of a sudden, they said, here they are, Allen and Rossi. And two chubby guys walked out on stage. Well, Steve Rossi, I guess, had eaten a lot in all those years. And the audience was puzzled as to which one was going to say, hello, dare. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in Las Vegas. I opened for Gordon Lightfoot. I love what two Canadians doing that. I opened for Frankie Valley. And when you open in Vegas, that's a good thing because you get to go to sleep and you're in your jammies before the star, which is an aspiration yeah. for me, for sure. How many shows? <clears throat> uh, it was well, one show do, a night? You would do, the weekend, you'd weekend. do two shows. Okay. You know, start to play games after a while, because I love Frankie Valley. He was great fun and easy to work with. But I used to try and get in my car and drive out of the lot before I heard, big girls don't cry, big girls. And I would, oh, God, I didn't make it. I'm going wow. to have a bad show tomorrow night. Wow. <laughs> you know, you're wow. going a little bit crazy. You're, you're the opening act, and you hear that all yeah. the time. <laughs> I take it you didn't see Jersey Boys. <laughs> no, I did. Oh, we've, okay. been, we've been friends ever. You know, it's like being in a battle when you're in Vegas of those years, especially. Because you never have an audience that's only there to see you. They're there. Like, if I was in Chicago... As a comedian, I would draw some people because I was at Second City there. But in Vegas, everyone is from a different town. So it's hard to make a community out of the audience yeah. if you're a comedian. Because yeah. you don't know when you're going to offend them. Yeah. I stand up is just, I, I don't know. I don't know how that, honestly, don't know how anybody goes into stand-up yeah. comedy. Yes. I mean, it's so brutal. It takes guts to yeah. do that, yeah. you know? You only succeed... By failing. It's the only way you succeed is by trying it till the audience tells you what's funny. Well, that's why I went into improv, because <laughs> if I'm going down, I'm going to take a few people with me. <laughs> I'm not going down by yes. myself, I'll tell you yeah. that. Tell me about working with the family. Is that like, I can't imagine it isn't just a pleasure for you to have your your, your son no, is very good in it. Everyone's good Yeah, in. he's really funny. You know, it's a great cast. It really is a great show. We put together, this is uh, Schitt's Creek, and we. my son uh, came to me a few years ago and said that, you know, he had an idea for show and, you know, would I want to work on it with me? And as a father, you think, wow, yes, working together with your son. That's, that's, that's so great. That's really great. So yeah. let's see how far we can take this. But even as a project, that's great. And then I started getting this horrible, horrific kind of thought, which is, what if he doesn't have it? Yeah. Then what? Then do I have to tell him? Do we have a sit down? Do we just keep going on this thing, knowing <laughs> yes. it, it ain't yeah. going anywhere yes. because it's just not going to go anywhere? 
But no, he's uh, he's really exceptionally great. Yeah. He really came through big time, and yeah. he's a, he's a great writer. And it's fun working with him. And my daughter's really quite good. I'm so great too, to on kids. the show. And I do have to kind of take a step back. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny. It's not like so much family on the set. We don't mm-hmm. purvey that kind of vibe. It's very professional. And as a, as a, in a working relationship, my son and I try to keep it very kind of professional as working partners. You never hear, hey, dad, on the set. I mean, <laughs> no, that's not a good thing. Yeah, it doesn't happen. But it is. I do have to stop and, and kind of step back and say, wait a minute. My two kids are working with Catherine O'Hara in a scene yes. right now. Yeah. And holding their own very, very, very well. Incredible. Yeah. Were they embarrassed by you being a comedian or were they proud of you? Did they get interested in it when they were like 10, they 12? Didn't, they didn't talk about it that much. They didn't really talk about what it is uh, that I did. It never really kicked in for them until probably American Pie and my son was maybe 15. Oh, yes. But not, really nothing I did before that was of any interest, yeah. I, I think. Because that hit him. That, that hit right where, right, yeah, that right was the right in the, in the sweet spot, so to speak. Yeah, but it's a great kick to like what you do and so many people don't. And you, you do, I do. Our whole, I do. I, do. Yeah, I whole, love what yeah. I do. If I could ever figure out what it is. <laughs> I'd be even happier. Do people recognize you on the street? Do they? Everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. I can't take it to be honest. I can't. Uh, you know, this is one of the reasons I just want to get out. I can't take the adulation. I can't take people coming up telling me how much they love me. Yes. I just. It gets to be a little much. Yeah. I, it's uh, you get headaches thinking yeah. about it. Well, this is um, this has been one of my favorite podcasts because I found out that you were high on marijuana and not just disliking me when you were auditioning for me. No, <laughs> I, it was a, a bad mistake, and I realized as soon as I stepped into the room, I knew this is not going to work. But this is, and and believe me, this is uh, you were the, the of all the people to kind of disappoint. You're not the person that you you, you want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gene. It's a pleasure to talk. To pleasure. Hey, thanks, David. Keep your expectations under control. Get a free 30-day trial and free audiobook at www.audible.com slash Steinberg. I read mysteries. They're my favorite books to read. John Grisham's book, Gray Mountain, that is, that's out now, is incredible. And I'm also uh, I'm about to listen on Audible to Nick Toshis's book, Under Tiberius. He is an incredible mystery writer. And here he's uh, undertaking, I think, the uh, Christianity, Judaism, whatever it is, no one's going to be too happy about it except the reader. And if you love mysteries, then you certainly by now have discovered Don Winslow. Any of his books, Savages, Cartel, I mean, those are just the ones I can remember. These guys are just amazing. To me, they are moving literature forward in a way that no one else is.